I've lobbied in, in Austin as well as in Washington, D.C. Uh, and my goal is so no other parent or, or anyone for that matter has to endure what I do every day when I wake up in the morning. Right. I agree. Uh, knowing that there was something that couldn't could have been done and we were lied to about it. Right. For bullshit reasons. And that's that's, that's just to sum it up in a nutshell. That's what it's all about. Welcome back to Gramps Place, where my guests and I discuss all things of public interest and anything else that might need a little changing in the good old USA. From ending the drug war and freeing those wrongfully imprisoned for crimes that have no victim, to making government more like what our forefathers intended of we the people again. I talk with doctors, scientists, politicians, and more, so you can make your own decisions on important issues in the USA. In this episode, I'm joined by the guys from Goodyear Seeds, based out of the Big Island of Hawaii. Chris and Bruce have been in business since the early 2000s. They use multiple males in their breeding process to ensure the greatest genetic diversity possible. Bruce is the native Hawaiian partner, and Chris has worked extensively in the western USA cannabis scene. Home of the legendary Molokai Frost cannabis cultivar, Goodyear works with many heirloom and land-raised cultivars from around the world. Let's meet Chris and Bruce and hear their story. Hey guys, thank y'all for joining me here on Grant's Place. Good to see you. Hey, nice to see you. Nice to meet y'all today. Uh, please introduce yourselves and and. Give our audience a little bit of background on, on what you're doing out there. Okay. Uh, we're based in Hawaii. Uh, we have a seed company called Goodyear Seeds. We work with a lot of different heirlooms and uh, land races and uh, killer genetics from around the world. And we like to pass that on to our customers. Uh, Goodyear Seeds started back in the early 2000s. We were members of Cannabis World and Overgrow, and we knew Richard... Calrissian, who owned Heaven's Stairway Seed Bank out of uh, Canada, and he had an auction site, and that's where our seeds first hit the auction was in in uh, on Seabay, which was okay. part of it. Okay. Chris, and this is Bruce. Hi, and I, I jumped in a little bit later than that. Actually, I joined Chris um, just before the pandemic as far as a seed business. Uh, He'd been sending me seeds for quite a few years, and, you know, my wife said, who's this, Chris, Chris, Chris? So I just asked him one day, like, are you going to ever start a seed business? And he said, oh, I did already. But, you know, anyway, um, so I got involved with it, and we launched uh, because we got some um, um, heirloom Hawaiian strains, like the Molokai Frost, which is about one of the oldest uh, Hawaiian strains, pure Hawaiian strains that's around today. Um and we have another one that we're getting, uh, the Molokai Citrus Kush, which is also an old, old school one. Really nice, cushy flavor, 
you don't see it too often nowadays. Yeah, we think it's an old Pakistani variety, but it's really hard to say. It was probably brought over here by some surfers or somebody, and uh, it got loose, and the rest is history. It's good pot. It's one of the last true cushions left that's yeah. not, that doesn't have a cookie influence. Right. And, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm born raised in Hawaii, so that's that's why I'm here. Um, you know, my great grandparents actually immigrated here. Uh, but I, I started like you know first got uh, smoking a, a hippie doctor Molokai actually turned me on. It was the summer of '69. I mean, I never forget it. You know, <laughs> I I was only you know I was just out of the eighth grade and I just had moved from um, my parents were in Burleson, Texas. And I know where that's at. <laughs> And, and that's where I got to see Reefer Madness and all the kind of stuff that was just making my brain go around in circles. You know, I'm all like, oh, my God, am I going to jump out a window or something, you know, if I smoke? And it's going to drive insane. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... So, yeah, it was a lot of propaganda. It's, it's sure a nice, uh, just compared from then to now. What what an amazing Big difference. difference. Big changes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's even even though we don't have, you know, a legal recreational program here in Texas. Or adult use, that's what I prefer to call it. But uh, you know, we have a limited medical. Right. But uh, with the with the hemp bill, with the farm bill, 2018, you know, forcing the states to provide their own hemp bill the following year. Uh, you know, we have, of course got our hemp bill passed in 2019, went into effect in September of 2019. They started licensing and farming, and you know, of course, the, the hemp business is thriving here. Uh, well, and it, it, it's it's amazing to me that uh, these yahoos down in Austin don't see the potential. You know, uh, you look at April first, New Mexico legalized their their went went full adult use, right? Yeah. And uh, I've got some friends who who do a lot of a lot of reporting on the whole industry and the, the advocacy work and stuff that we do here in Texas. And, and they went out to El Paso. And so they were in New Mexico. They witnessed the first legal sale at a dispensary right across the border. And they were, of course, reporting on the fact that for every New Mexico plate that was in that parking lot, there were 10 Texas plates. <laughs> Pattern that has got to tell you something, right? Yeah. You used to see it in uh, Humboldt. California when they first started legalization there and uh, we used to see plates from all over Washington State Oregon Montana Idaho you know so people travel they're always yeah. gonna speed I mean it's something that's beneficial to everyone and you know they're if they want it they're gonna find a way to get it yeah I, I keep telling them you know they've got uh, New Mexico now which of course has the casinos Right. So Texans are already traveling there to gamble. Now they're right. going to be, and we're talking people our age and older, you know, and they're going to go, hey, you know, it's legal over here now. Let's get us a little something. And then they're going to have it in their car and forget about it and be on their way home and going 85 mile an hour when they ain't supposed to be. Yep. You know, that's the scenario I see happening is older folks starting to get in trouble with the law here in Texas because they went and did something legally across state lines and made a boo-boo and carried it across state lines, you know, and they're going to, if it's a concentrate, that's a felony in Texas. Right. Even if you have just a minute 
trace amount, it's a felony. It's crazy, you know. So, um, I, I, how you said, but I didn't catch. How long has the company been in business now? Been in business since the early 2000s. Okay. Okay. We started the company. That I started the company was we were, you know, we'd been growing in the illegal and legal world for a long time. You know, we were black market workers. And a lot of the seed stock we were getting was coming from Holland. Well, the whole Holland thing, they started their whole business off of genetics from the West Coast, from the United States. And what they did is they bred a lot of plants, one-to-one breedings, taking one female and one male and breeding them together and coming up with something. And this continued for years and years and years. And that philosophy of breeding has actually bred them basically right out of the business. I mean, you really don't see Dutch companies making a lot of money in seed sales anymore. And it's because all of their stuff is so generic. They bottleneck the genetics by breeding one-to-one for many years. And everything, they have 300 strains that look the same and taste the same. And they just, you know, they get you high for 10 or 20 minutes and that's it. So we wanted to bring something, a product to the people that has a long duration high and we wanted to bring back some of those old flavors like the roadkill skunk the cushions and most of the good seeds that we got back in the day were from closet hacks closet yeah. breeders people who were doing stuff in their closets illegally and they were far superior than to what the dutch had so you know that's kind of our history and we're we're going strong cool we multiple males and multiple females for all of our breedings as you know to try to increase that genetic diversity as much as we can that's what i was just fixed to ask you about uh in a day and age where a lot of growers are seeking out feminized seed uh because you know let's face it it makes their grow for their end product easier uh but you offer non-fem seeds right offer regular seeds and the reason behind that is the whole bottlenecking thing when you uh make a female stress to the point where she produces male pollen you're only getting a little bit of those genetics to pass on it's not like if you take 20 males and throw them in with a female you're getting such a larger diversity within the population and that's what we're striving for we have friends that do the feminized seeds and you know they do great but in 10 years what are all those feminized seeds going to look like are they still going to be quality cannabis? And I would say they're probably not. It's going to be just like the Dutch because it's basically a one-to-one breeding. Yeah. And you're looking to isolate something that's really nice. Feminized is the way to go for a little while, but you don't want to continue that by any means because every time you do that, the genetic diversity gets smaller and smaller within your population. So we use as many males as we can. We don't even really select males. We just take 20 or 30 males, put them in with a great female and, you know, let nature do its course. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it turns out really stellar. I mean, you can see by some of the plants behind me, these are all bred by us and, you know, they're nice. Yeah. They're beautiful. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll admit that from what I can see. (laughs) Well, um, so what made you decide to pick Hawaii? Is that where you're, you're, from or no i'm originally from colorado and okay. you know i got in some trouble with cannabis in colorado and then i moved to montana and i ended up having a cousin that uh 
I was working in California, living in Montana, but working in California at a co-op. And he came from Montana and got 200 clones from us, went back to Montana, grew them, got busted and ratted me out. And he did, he got a year and a day of time. I got nine years in the Fed. Mm. I did ended up doing, they ran them concurrently, two different charges, uh, conspiracy to cultivate more than 100 plants and conspiracy to distribute 50 kilos, which is way more pot than he had in his greenhouse. So we asked them how they came up with the numbers, and they said, oh, it's a DEA thing. And the DEA said, well, no, it's a scientist thing. And they all blamed it on other people. And nobody yeah. really knew what they were talking about. So I ended up doing five years in the Fed for somebody else's grow. It wasn't even my grow. So, you know, I chose Hawaii because of the weather. It's beautiful here. As you can see, plants grow great. I have good friends here and I don't have to get out and chain up my vehicle in the wintertime. I, you know, it's beautiful here yeah. and it's great here. I mean, we're, we're better to grow pot than someplace tropical. Absolutely. I can't, I can't argue with that. So what can you tell us about the history of the Hawaiian cannabis culture? I'll hand that over to Bruce. Um, I, my, I first started growing in, in um, the, summer of 74 and uh back then there wasn't even um the helicopters they didn't have any of that and it was it was pretty open the culture here has always been open but not because we're predominantly uh a conservative predominantly actually for a long time mostly japanese so japanese are very conservative on the surface but underneath you can have fun and blah blah, blah. and that's how the pot was always looked at it's like uh, when I was young and I was taking some over on the airplane, I, I went through the baggage check and that's all I had in my backpack was pot. And the ladies, can I look in your bag? Sure. She looks in it. She closes the back up. She goes, you know, boy, you be careful on Oahu. There's bad people over there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like how it's been. You know, um, you got to be, you got to work at it to, to get arrested by it. You know, usually you got some other kind of, nowadays, nothing. We haven't had anything in, in a really long time. They don't fly hardly anymore. And, you know, we have a, a crystal meth problem, like, you know, most else of America. And, you know, they're trying to focus on that, which I, I'm all for, you know. Sure, sure. I take out people quite so thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I, 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 I can can't count on my two hands, on my 10 fingers, the number of friends that I've lost over the years to crystal meth. Uh, that's that's definitely something that they need to be concentrating on, exactly. you know? Uh, whereas, I don't know what you know about my history uh, and how I got involved in this industry and, and started this podcast and all, but I lost a son in 2016 to epilepsy. He was 23 years old at the time, and uh, uh, about six months prior to when he passed away, uh, he had come to me, and he said, hey, Pop, what do you know? You know, you're hearing these stories about marijuana and, and epilepsy. And I said, I'll, I'll be honest with you, kid. I smoked that shit for 26 years every day, but I ain't got a clue. You know, I, I, have, I have no idea. I said, but we can find out. I said, but I do know one thing for certain. It won't hurt you. Right. Uh, 
and at the time I, I had not used in probably two or three years at the time but i told him i said you know if you want to try it we can figure out a way and we'll we'll try it you know and he goes well you know i'll think about it the only regret i have is i didn't sit down right then and start doing the research right uh but you know we had we had no idea that the end was that close right, right. Uh, but to to close the story out i did start the research after he passed away and uh, the first thing i found was a study completed right here in the united states of america uh had better than 50 percent success rate using extracts of cannabis or marijuana as they called it back then uh, and uh granted it only treated five epileptic children but they had a better than 50 percent 50% success rate in those five children. And that study was completed in 1947. Exactly. They've been hiding it. And and that pissed me off. Right. Right. So then I dove in head first. Then I, I made a, a page on Facebook. Right. But, uh, I came up with something has to change. And now is the name of the Facebook page. And I started making videos and I just started reading the research. I mean, I've got over 5,000 hours in just reading research papers, medical laboratory research right. from all around the world on not just epilepsy, on a multitude of things. And, and I'm like, my God, I got to get this out there, right? So, uh, and then of course I started advocating with the, the local normal group and speaking locally and then, then got involved in Austin with the Texas normal group. And then I've lobbied in in Austin as well as in Washington D.C. Uh, and my goal is so no other parent or or anyone for that matter has to endure what I do every day when I wake up in the morning. Right. I agree. Uh, knowing that there was something that couldn't could have been done, and we were lied to about it. Right. For bullshit reasons, and that's 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 just to sum it up in a nutshell that's what it's all about um, but so that's that's how i got involved in all of this pardon this short break for a word from our sponsors hey y'all are you enjoying the guests and content gramps is bringing you each week did you know he does this all on his own no production team and no producers just gramps if you like the show please think about becoming a monthly supporter. It can be as little as 99 cents per month. You would be surprised at how much that can help. Just follow the link in the show description where it says support this podcast here. And as always, Gramps thanks you for listening, and for your support. Welcome back to Gramps Place. The podcast where Gramps and his guests talk about all things cannabis and cannabis law reform, along with anything else that piques public interests. Actually, my wife, when I met her, she had a tumor on her pituitary in her brain. Mm -hmm. And she five or six grand malls a week. And she just had a, a scan about two months ago, and the tumor's gone. Hallelujah. Uh, so, 
it, I, I know firsthand that it works. Yeah. First, oh, the number of people that I've met in over the last five and a half years is, is just, it's mind boggling right. how they've kept this hidden for so long. Well, yeah. You know, uh, it's just, it's, it just drives me nuts. Well, we, <laughs> no, we've always known. Yeah. Good for, for all kinds of different things. But when you have the Johnny Law putting their boot on your throat all your life, you know, what do you do? Well, between that and the, 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 the brainwashing, you know, they talk about the fear of indoctrination, as they call it today, of that, that they're worried about happening in our school systems because they want to teach American history, excuse me. Uh, but, you know, uh, we've been indoctrinating kids forever because we were indoctrinated when we were in school about how bad drugs are and you know marijuana is one of the worst ones it's the gateway folks it's one right. leads you to everything else bad just gets worse <laughs> from here <laughs> all a bunch of horse shit yeah no total number one uh, gateway is alcohol yeah bad decisions have been made with alcohol than anything else i mean you don't wake up next to somebody go what the hell did i do last night because you smoke too much pot no you wake up and go yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> absolutely anyway we gotta go off on a, a different sidebar there but back to uh back to your business uh, what are some of the cultivars that, that y'all offer right now we have molokai frost which is an old hawaiian mostly sativa i would say um and you you can really for me i can taste some thai in there we're not really sure what it is it was a southeast asian and there, there's a story that there's a uh, the guy that we got it from got it from the nephew of a guy named the general and he was an old pot farmer and you know it's just carried on that, that was back in the early 2000s and we are the only seed company with uh verifiable uh, Molokai frost seed that that we're we've been uh, allowed to sell um, everything before we got them to sell was just given away in the Hawaiian Aloha so uh, we've got that one we've got a bunch of different crosses um, a go strain and I'll let Bruce talk about that one the go is um, it's old school times God bud and old school started in the um, cane fields of Maui in 88 came here in 94 um, and it was pretty much golden voice which was predominantly and that's just uh, I think a Vietnamese uh, that hit Hawaii and in, in, actually came back with some of the guys from Nam and um, we have that going and we've refined some of that down to it's got, kind of got this uh, black cherry line to it and so we've refined uh, refining that and uh, let me see we have like some we have some Afghanis that were pulled out of the Kandahar in like 78. Yeah, and they were in the, he got them in the Indus Valley, which is not actually in Afghanistan, but that's Afghanistan weed and it's called Afghan in the raw. And it's probably one of the best Afghanis that I've seen since the early eighties. Grows okay. nice buds and super tasty. Almost has a little bit of the roadkill underneath it. It's really killer pot. We've got some crosses of that. We've also been messing with one from Afghanistan called Maroof, 
that we've got some crosses with Maui Skunk Dog. We've got a cross to Sour Diesel. We've got a cross to Molokai Citrus um, that are really promising. I mean, it, it brings back a lot of that old, long highs. Most of the weed today is all shiny and pretty and smells good and tastes good, but you smoke it and an hour later you're smoking again because you're not stoned anymore. Yeah. Strive to get those three and four hour highs that used to happen. I smoked some weed back in Texas probably in 91 or 92, and it was super killer. Oh, yeah. It's such a uh, – the plant can change to its environment so easily. And you can grow a clone in someone's grow in Ohio and grow the same clone in Northern California, and they turn out totally different just because of the environment and the soil and the nutrients that are added. So, you know, a lot of it depends on environment. Environment. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I got to ask, and, and um, I, I already know the answer. I mean, it's kind of redundant to ask, but what are y'all's feelings on federal legalization? I have always thought that pot should be legal everywhere. I mean, it's like a tomato to me. And for them to tax marijuana when they don't go to the farmer's market and tax the tomatoes that are being sold is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's all about money. For the government. That's the only reason that they're allowing it to be legal now is because of the, the tax involvement. I mean, it, it's crazy. So, you know, I would love to see it legal everywhere. I think that it's, uh, you know, we don't have the prices of the old days. Like in Humboldt, we used to grow the the uh, original OG Kush and we'd send it to Atlanta and for 8500 a pound. Yeah. I mean, it's outrageously priced. Those days are long gone. I have friends in Washington and Oregon that are lucky if they're getting 500 a pound. A lot of it is cheaper than that, and it's top-quality herb. So, you know, it's going to bring it down. The market value will go down, but eventually it'll even out, and everything will be good. Yeah, that's the, the, the biggest thing that I worry about, because the only thing they need to do at the federal level, I mean, let's face it. Right. The yeah. only thing they need to do is just take it off the damn schedule. Exactly. That's yeah. it. And you're done. Leave the rest of it up to the states. You know, back your nose out. Do what you want to with heroin and PCP and cocaine and all that other stuff. Yeah. That actually does kill people, you know. Uh, <laughs> if they want to regulate something, they should be regulating all the big corporations that are getting involved in the cannabis trade right now. All the mom and pops, you wouldn't believe the amount of places for sale in Northern California because the mom and pops are going out of business from these jackasses that are growing yeah. thousand plants in a greenhouse and, you know, putting out shitty product. And it's just ridiculous. But the market is geared towards that. The, the government sets it up with the lobbyists who are supported by these big corporations that are growing the weed to make it better suited for the big companies to make it. We need the yeah. mom and pop grows to be. Our, our agriculture is set up the same way. Yeah, the corn, the everything. We, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, you're losing all the small guys, and only the big corps are making it. Which is not what built this. This country was built no, on. No, absolutely. The, uh, I, I've said it, and 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 it's one thing I'll continue to fight for. But uh, if they're going to tax it, which we know they're gonna. Yep. Right. <laughs> that's just that's a damn given. It's something new. Tax it. So. Uh, just don't and, tax. And, it, and it doesn't matter which 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 side is involved in it. 
whether it's the R's or the D's, they're going to tax it. Right. Uh, one might get a little more than the other, but uh, so that being said, if they're going to tax it, uh, I think that we have got to stand stand strong with everybody in the mom and pops, especially uh, that that there has to be some of that funds has to be used to set up something similar to uh, the SBA, right? For specifically for families and people who've been adversely affected by the war on drugs. Absolutely. Specifically the war on cannabis. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous how these big corporations, because they have the money, you know, and the, these mom and pops and, the, and and most of the mom and pops are those people that have been adversely affected are trying to turn their life around because now they have the, this opportunity and something they know, right? Something they've uh, always. Yeah, uh, but but. That's going to be a hard one to sell, you know, uh, but to me, it's something we've got to keep pushing for, because if not, the, the, the corporations are going to take over, you know. The corporations, though, and I've argued with the people in Holland for years and years and years over this. How many of those guys that are growing 10,000 plants in their greenhouse know every plant personally? Yeah. Not one of them crawls through those plants every day, looking at each plant and talking to that plant and having a relationship with that specific plant, not one of them. And that's what makes cannabis growing so special. I mean, probably one of the most beneficial plants on the planet. And, you know, we need to foster the type of relationships that the mom and pops have with their plants, maybe into some of those corporations and things will change a little bit. But yeah. you know, they're, when they're just worried about putting out 7,000 pounds every two weeks or every month, nothing's going to change. Yeah. It's going to be inferior quality, you know. Yeah. Uh, I got to ask you, what are some things that you two maybe can uh, provide or, or, or throw out there that, that activists and advocates can do, like in my home state of Texas here? maybe to help push this subject along that we haven't thought of? For one, don't give up. Oh, absolutely. That's one of the biggest problems is that people fight and fight and fight all their life for something. And then something happens. Like when I went to prison, you know, everybody, all my family said, well, why are you going to go back into the cannabis business after being incarcerated and losing part of your life and your family and everything? I said, if I give up now, then everything that I did before, all of the years that I spent fighting for this shit would be for nothing. And I refuse that. I refuse. You know, it's a beneficial plant and, you know, it, it, it needs to be legal worldwide, not just in the United States. It needs to be legal worldwide. It's an herb. Yeah, it's a and, freaking plant that yeah. grows out of the ground. <laughs> Other thing, you know, networking. Get with like-minded people and start a little group and voice your opinion wherever you can. Um, I don't see Texas being uh, against legalization for much longer. I really don't. I mean, once that ball starts rolling, it's hard to stop. It's like a snowball that starts at the top top of the mountain. By the time it gets to the bottom, that mother's huge. And and that's to happen. Um, Uh, One thing that I think... uh is going to maybe force that ball here in Texas. You know, with our our uh, 
our medical program, uh, the limitation is 1% THC by dry weight. Now, a lot of people get that mis misconstrued by dry weight. They still produce 20 milligram gummies, just like Colorado, California, or any other state does. Right. Uh, and, and people are having good success, but because of that language, it's hard to get people to sign up for it, right? So that demand's not there. But something interesting I learned uh, from one of the doctors who is heavily involved in that program here in Texas. Uh, we had a conference back in earlier this year at Texas A&M, which was phenomenal to have something at Texas A&M in the state of Texas, you know, right. one of the prohibition states, right? But we had this conference and a policy conference and one of the things that this doctor went up to ask someone from the marijuana policy project who was a speaker there uh, they went to ask him uh, basically about the up-and-coming farm bill because you know they do a new farm bill every two to three years right right well they, they're projecting the new farm bill to be in 2023 and uh the rumor has it that the new farm bill is going to increase the hemp limit on THC from 0.3% to 1%. If that happens, Texas don't have a medical program anymore. Right. They got a hemp program. <laughs> well, and that's one reason that we're able to sell seeds because the seeds don't have any THC in them. Exactly. Yeah. All the way around the world for that matter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What people do with them is their own business. If it's illegal in your state, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Rules, but if you don't, just be careful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So tell our listeners where they can find Goodyear Seeds if they, they're interested in uh, hitting you up for some, some seeds. Okay, so GoodyearSeeds.com or GoodyearSeed.com. Don't put an S on there. And uh, we don't have online purchases on there right now. It's really hard. Speaking of legalization, it's really hard to get a bank to deal with anything related to cannabis, yeah. right? So we had a merchant account and we were getting ready to launch our online sales. And the bank basically told us absolutely not because you're cannabis related. So we don't have a merchant account through them, but we have other ways of for people to purchase electronically. Okay. I want those on the podcast, but they can contact me at goodgearseed at protonmail.com or go to our website, goodgearseed.com, and there's a link in there to our email address. Email me. There's a menu on our site that tells us what we have, and we have some other ones that aren't on there. So if people want to email me and ask me what our menu is, I'll shoot them a, a new menu and we'll go from there. We'll make it work for everybody. And we're on Instagram too. Yeah, we're on Instagram. Good Gear Seeds, and One Good Gear. Well, I want to thank you all for coming on and telling us about your company and what you're doing out there in Hawaii. Uh, it's been a real interesting conversation. It sounds like you've got some really good products. All right. We appreciate you, Chris. Absolutely. Y'all have a good evening. Grand's Place podcast where I bring you the doctors, scientists, patients, politicians, and ordinary everyday people to talk about anything and everything. 
with facts and first-hand reports so you can make your own decisions on important issues. Cannabis law reform, politics, criminal justice, government, and economics are just a few. As always, I thank you for listening and for your generous support.